0: See, I don't do ads because ads suck. I fucking hate ads. And don't want to put my listeners through that. And especially because somehow they made it so that I don't get paid no matter, you know, how many times they sign up to uh, get paid per listen. So... If I'm not getting paid per listen, then I'm definitely not going to have any fucking ads. Anyway, so I'm going to do a little research on Fucker Carlson tonight. Came right up. Heard Tucker. Okay, Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson. Let's see, how can I have it read? Talk. Tong-tong. Dun, 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 dun. Why are Tucker Carlson's views on Russian invasion of Ukraine censored here? Text messages text messages, and Dominion's lawsuit brief. Far right, no big sentence. Talk, talk. That wasn't what I thought it was. Anyway. Talk, talk. Is okay. So, he was born. Um. Wait, I'm confused. Isn't this night? Uh, 2023? Yeah. How is it? He's he's 53 already. Mm-hmm. Says he's 53, but. Oh, yeah, okay. I see. Anyway, duh. He's born May 16, 1969, is an American television host, conservative political commentator, and writer who has hosted the nightly political talk show Tucker Carlson Tonight on Fox so-called News since 2016. This was kind of surprising. Um that uh other political affiliations it was democratic t- twenty six to 2020 um i find that kind of puzzling mm mm-hmm. How could that be? Hmm. He was a CNN. Okay, began his media career in the nineteen nineties, writing for the Weekly Standard and other publications. He was a CNN commentator from twenty two thousand to twenty o five, and a co-host of the network's primetime news debate program, Crossfire. From 2001 to 2005, from 2005 to 2008, he hosted the nightly program Fucker on MSNBC. He's been a political analyst for Fox, so-called news since 2009. Appearing on various programs before the launch of his current show in 2010, Carlson co-founded and served as the initial editor-in-chief of the right-wing news and opinion website, The Daily Caller. Okay, yeah. Heard about that. Until selling his ownership stake and leaving in 2020. Hmm. I think Ben Shapiro runs it now or something like that. He has written three books Politicians, Partisans and Parasites. Ship of Fools and The Long Slides twenty twenty one. An advocate of former US President Donald Trump Carlson. He's he he fucking hates he fucking hates Trump. <laughs> isn't that funny. Carlson was described by Politico as perhaps the highest-profile proponent of Trumpism, but is willing to criticize Trump when he believed that the former president was straying from that ideology. He was said to have influenced some of Trump's decision as president, including the cancellation of a military strike against Iran. In 2019, the firing of John Bolton and the commutation of Roger Stone's prison sentence... In 2020, Carlson has been described as the leading voice of white grievance politics. He is known for circulating far-right ideas into mainstream politics and discourse. His remarks on race, immigration, and women, including slurs he said on air between 2006 and 2011, which resurfaced in 2019, have at been described as racist and sexist, and provoked advertiser boycotts of fucker Carlson Tonight, one of the most watched cable news shows in the United States. Turn off this shit, man. Fucking morons. Mental degenerates. Turn off the shit. Carlson is a vocal opponent of progressivism. Imagine that. Somebody who hates progress. No. No more progress. (coughs) And critic of immigration. And has been described as a nationalist. Yeah. Fascist. Nationalist. Christo-Fascist, formerly an economic libertarian, he now supports protectionism. In 2004, he renounced his initial support for the Iraq War and has since been skeptical of U.S. foreign interventions. Carlson has promoted conspiracy theories on topics such as demographic replacement, COVID-19, and the January 6th United States Capitol attack and has been noted for false and misleading statements about those topics and a number of others. Early life, early life and education. Carlson <laughs> look at the place got a bowl haircut. A mushroom head. <sighs> Born Tucker McNair Carlson in the Mission District of San Francisco. He is the elder son of artists. And San Francisco native Lisa McNair, née Lombardi. And Dick Carlson, a former Gonzo reporter who became the director of Voice of America, president of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and the U.S. ambassador to the Seychelles, and more recently a director at lobbying firm Policy Impact Strategic Communications. Carlson's brother Buckley Peck Carlson, later Buckley Swanson. Pat Carlson is nearly two years younger and has worked as a communication manager and Republican political operative. Carlson's paternal grandparents were Richard Boynton and Dorothy Anderson, who were teenagers when they placed his father at the home for Little Wanderers' Orphanage where he was fostered by Carl Moberger of Malden near Boston, a tannery work of Swedish descent. Um and his wife, Florence Moe Carlson's father was adopted at the age of two by upper-middle-class New Englanders, the Carlsons, and an, exec- an executive of the Winslow Brothers and the Smith Tannery of Norwood, oldest tannery in America, and his wife, Carlsons' maternal great-great-grandfather, Susan Lombardi, immigrated to New York from Switzerland. In 1860... Carlson is also a distant relative of Massachusetts politicians, Ebenezer R. Hoare and George M. Brooks, never heard of him, As his great, great-great-grandson's California rancher Henry Miller. Carlson himself is named after his great-great-grandfather, Dr. J.C. Tucker, and his great-great-great-grandfather, Dr. George W. McNarrow. Carlson is of English, German, and 116th Swiss-Italian ancestry. In 1976, Carlson's parents divorced after the nine-year marriage reportedly turned sour. Carlson's father was granted custody of Tucker, fucker, and his brother. Oh, this would be a good... This would be a good time to try to use the assistant. Come on, fucker. Fucker Carlson, come on! Oh man! Oh balls! <laughs> Just put. <pissed. laughs> Fucker Carlson. So yeah, he was a uh, Democrat until 2020. a Democrat for like twenty years. Pitching fuckers. You were a fucking Democrat, shithead. Fucker Carlson. Uh, just waited that. Um, why isn't there a fucking cease and desist? Legal defense for Fox says Tucker Carlson, he can't be literally believed. Fox News viewers don't expect facts from Tucker Carlson, according to network lawyers who defended their star out of slander lawsuit. Cora. Hmm, there we go. It's a good question. Um on Cora Why is Fox News allowed to call itself a news organization when it has been shown to uh, make up much of their content? Isn't this frauds? Okay, they fought in court that their TV is entertainment only, and any reasonable person would be able to tell the difference. The Trumpers cannot tell the difference, and the station uses them to hype and inflame these nutbags for profit. Only there is no... Information or facts that isn't a lie. It's just legally entertainment. There is no news whatsoever. It is at least arguably fraud in the common sense use of the word, but it's not fraud in the legal sense. The First Amendment deprives the government of the power to punish a disagreement over what political speech is truth, news, fair, or balanced. This is a sub- substantive limit on government power, and you can't plead or draft around I'm trying to call it fraud. A defective product, unfair competition, deceptive advertising, or anything else, doesn't change the fact that the government likes power to punish it. Oh, fuck. How about starting fucking insurrections? See, I read a book on how Donald Trump is the worst president we ever had. There's no way I could promote and sell the book without saying that the book explains how Donald Trump is the worst president we ever had. Suggest just the government can't my book directly or by punishing me for saying Donald Trump is the worst president we ever had. You obviously can't punish me for promoting my book that way, how else could I do it? <laughs> well, you shouldn't be able to call yourself fucking news. What I would argue I was voted most improved in speech and debate club, by the way, in high school. High school Uh, they're the ones who claim they shouldn't be held to truth or accuracy since they were an entertainment network, but those who follow seem not to care about truth or accuracy. Um, it's a right-wing disinformation factory. It's where morons stand in line to drink from their trough. Conspiracy. Oh my god, and try to empty your bowels. Blah. Okay, let's get back on the track, Trista. So, yeah, it's a good question. I always wonder about that. Um, Trump finally gets the worst news of his life. Sounds great to me. Welcome to my sounds bitchin'. <laughs>
1: Ben cellist from I've been. the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump just received the news that he's been dreading, but that we've been waiting for. The Manhattan District Attorney has invited Donald Trump to show up next week before the criminal grand jury that is investigating Donald Trump's potential crimes relating to hush money payments that were made to Stormy Daniels (laughs) via Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's lawyer at the time. Now, this invitation to show up before a criminal grand jury is generally viewed as the final step that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office takes before it will criminally indict someone. There is a process and procedure whereby Donald Trump would have to waive any immunity before testifying before this criminal grand jury, something that Donald Trump is likely not going to do. Donald Trump is almost certainly going to decline the invitation by, the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg and not show up before it. But what this tells us is that an indictment against Donald Trump is imminent. Does that mean it's a week away or two weeks away? It is very, very close. I can tell you that based on this data point. This is being reported first by the New York Times. and is now being reported in a myriad of places, including right here on the Midas Touch Network. And you know, if you've been watching the Midas Touch Network, that while it was an unpopular position for me to take, I've been saying all along that I believe that Alvin Bragg would be the first to criminally indict Donald Trump, even before Fony Willis, the uh, uh, district attorney in Fulton County even before special counsel Jack Smith the data points were just lining up in that direction that made clear that Alvin Bragg the Manhattan District Attorney would likely be the first to criminally indict now just to remind you what this criminal indictment will relate to as I said slightly earlier on this video it relates to the hush money payments that were made to stormy Daniels through Michael Cohen and Donald Trump had, I suppose, what can be referred to as sex with Stormy Daniels, and he wanted to cover it up. He had sex with her, again, if that's what we want to call it, right after uh, Uh. Melania gave birth to their first son uh, together, Uh, then- through Michael Cohen, hush money payments were made uh, to Stormy Daniels. Um, Donald Trump then repaid Michael Cohen and falsified business records. That's the crime, falsification of business records. And the business records were falsified as a legal reimbursement. Now a falsification of business records in and of itself could potentially just constitute a misdemeanor crime. However, when you combine the falsification of business records with a violation of state election law, compounding those two crimes together would make this a felony. And so ultimately, the criminal charges that Donald Trump would likely be charged with would be a felony. We know that there's been a lot of activity taking place In the Manhattan District Attorney's Office that we've been reporting about here on the Midas Touch Network. You also know, because I host the Political Beatdown podcast with the individual who's likely to be the key witness in this case. I host Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen, and when Michael Cohen went for his 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, and now 19th trip, Before the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, he's provided as much information as he was legally allowed to tell us exclusively on the political beatdown. But he even explained to us, he said that the uh, plane, to use this uh, analogy, the plane is taken off and it is going to be landing in the area of justice shortly. And so you could all read between the lines. He also mentioned that he would be meeting Once again with the Manhattan district attorney's office on Friday. Now this comes as Donald Trump's top aides have spoken with the Manhattan district attorney, Hope Hicks, who was a top aide in the Trump administration, basically an assistant to Donald Trump. She Um, has spoken with the Manhattan District Attorney Kellyanne Conway, one of Donald Trump's top advisors, has spoken multiple times and met multiple times with the Manhattan District Attorney, with Alvin Bragg. And remember, uh, Mm -hmm. Kellyanne Conway is involved because, according to Michael Cohen's book, Kellyanne Conway called Cohen Mm -hmm. to basically, you know, confirm that Trump was happy that these payments were made. So Kellyanne Conway is going to be a um, not an insignificant
2: no one tells stories better than Audible,
1: the home of storytelling,
2: from motivation and comedy to true crime and memoirs.
1: is going to be a um, not an insignificant factor in the Manhattan District Attorney's case. Um, there's about five or six witnesses we know who have gone before uh, the grand jury. You have Uh, The top execs at the National Enquirer, you got David Pecker and Dylan Howard, uh, who were involved uh, as part of the catch and kill uh, plans that the National Enquirer would engage in, where they would try to kill these stories for Donald Trump by paying off Donald Trump's individuals who Donald Trump wanted to pay off and then not actually run the stories and pretend they were going to report on the stories. A number of top Trump executives who had previously testified in the felony case against the Trump organization where the Trump organization was uh, found guilty of 17 felony counts. Those same people testified before uh, the criminal grand jury. So lots of activity before the criminal grand jury. Um, And we also know from Donald Trump's post that he's been putting up on his social media platform um, that Alan Weisselberg um, has been, uh, has had numerous additional encounters as he's been serving his jail sentence in Rikers Island. He's been having encounters with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, who likely are telling him, we are going to criminally charge you again if you don't uh, testify truthfully about your interactions with Donald Trump and the crimes that you observed there. What I want to say though is that even though this criminal case that is likely going to be filed, again, I believe indictments are imminent. How close do I believe they're imminent? I think it could happen in March, okay? By by this reporting, this could happen in March, folks. I think potentially April, the latest at this point, May. That was always by the way, for months and months and months. This is the time frame that I've been telling you. If you watch the Midas Touch Network, I told you this time frame. So And how have I known that I've been following the data points, but here is what I believe the Manhattan district attorney Alvin Bragg is also doing first. He got the conviction against the Trump organization, 17 felony counts. Then he moved on to this narrow case based on the unlawful characterization and categorization of hush money payments to stormy Daniels. It's a discreet case. It just shows how disgusting of a human being Donald Trump is. The jury is going to hate Donald Trump the same way. They hated him in the case against the Trump Organization, where the Trump Organization was found guilty of those 17 felony counts. But here's the thing. Alvin Bragg is not giving up on the broader case of the Trump financial valuation crimes. Remember, there is a civil case that's being pursued right now by the New York Attorney General Letitia James. Civil case, not criminal. So we're talking about civil, we're talking about monetary damages and injunctive relief. And in New York Attorney General Letitia James' case, she's seeking at least 200 and fifty million dollars in damages against the Trump organization, Donald Trump and his adult children, for a decade long financial fraud scheme of inflating these valuations to get benefits in the forms of loans and insurance and um, other in other tax breaks, so um, that case is set to go to trial October. Uh, second of 2023. We've already reported here on the Midas Touch Network that Ivanka's already throwing Donald and her brothers under the bus saying, look, don't let me, I don't want to go to trial that date. They were the ones who engaged in the statement of financial conditions. I was never involved in that. So you already have Ivanka now throwing the other Trump uh, family members under the bus there, but there's also a criminal aspect that was being pursued by the prior district attorney in Manhattan, Cy Vance there. Now, if you follow the Midas Touch Network, you'll know our Legal AF podcast is co-hosted by Karen Friedman Agnifilo, who was Cy Vance's number two there. And of course, you've been following the fact that some of Cy Vance's top lawyers quit um, when they were not happy with the way the investigation was going under alvin bragg however michael cohen who's been very critical before of the pace of alvin bragg says look i am so confident in the way alvin bragg is handling this right now alvin bragg's new team is absolutely great i have the same uh, confidence that I did with the previous Cy Vance team of uh Pomerance and Dunn. This new team is is really, 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 uh, you know, really effective and they absolutely know their stuff. But here's the thing. Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney right now was saying, I'm still pursuing that other case. I'm just doing it step by step is basically what Alvin Bragg saying. I haven't given up that case. And by the way, based on how Alvin Bragg is moving, like methodically here, very carefully here, I think Alvin Bragg is doing a very, very, very good job. And I do think that ultimately he is still going to bring the broader criminal case that is related to that civil case that New York Attorney General Letitia James is bringing. I just think Alvin Bragg saying, "Look, let's get a criminal conviction right now. Donald Trump will become a felon. It's a four-year prison sentence in Rikers. Likely, Trump will get a little bit less than that. You know, it, technically, it's possible there's no jail time, but I think that the, that that it's a four-year jail sentence though. So I think somewhere between a year and four years, Donald Trump will ultimately get." and he gonna have to serve hard time and then you can pursue all those other cases on a parallel track That's why I think it's actually being done methodically and the smart way. Um, But again, this is dreadful news if you're Donald Trump. This is the precursor to an indictment happening. Donald Trump being told, show up if you want to, before the criminal grand jury. Trump is likely going to decline, but this is the next step before a criminal indictment. So here... Imminent does mean imminent. This grand jury has the power to criminally indict. It's not like a special grand jury. And I expect that there's going to be indictments as early as March in Manhattan. April, maybe. May, maybe. but I think it's March. I think it's March. Mid-April, possibly. No later than May and again that's what we've been reflecting now um, for quite some time here and again I know it's been an unpopular uh, prediction for me to say I think Alvin Bragg's going to go first but I think that's proven to be uh, accurate so of course we will keep you updated here on the Midas Touch Network but this folks is good news for our democracy good news for the wheels of justice hey make sure you hit subscribe we are on our way to 1 million subscribers thanks to your incredible support so please hit subscribe right now also check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch and also wherever you to get your audio podcast just search Midas Touch podcast and subscribe it's free all right now hit subscribe on our YouTube also free at Midas Touch we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability that's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45 that's right gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store that's Convict 45 That'd be a good pug
0: song Convict 45. Can't wait. I
3: was so just you working like a dog, really. And finally, I was like, I can't do it
0: anymore. And that's when I was like, know wait, I'm going to go be a welder. I've never felt independence like this before.
1: Welcome to the political beatdown <laughs> with Michael Cohen and Ben Mycellus on today's show. We're going to cover some of the latest updates on the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal investigation of Donald Trump, or as much as Mike Cohen can possibly uh, talk about. There have been more MAGA Republican hearings, which also means more. Maga Republican humiliation. They've held these mm. additional hearings on weaponization. They held the hearing on wokeness. And look, Democrats are actually doing a pretty good job exposing this nonsense and this Maga Republican anti-American agenda. The we'll talk about the, that the on the show. Ivanka Trump throwing her family under the bus. Not really a shocker. And the New York Attorney General's fraud lawsuit set to go. To trial on October 2nd when it comes to our democracy, whatever, but when it comes to money, that's when Are the there UFOs you
0: know,
4: in the Bible? Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, I, I agree, and thank you for saying that. One of the things, you know, through my years of research that I special found
0: guest Roderick Martin is
2: When you look at religions right. in particular, right? There's there's not that many actually main religions. There's only about seven main religions on the Which planet. Eighty-five okay. percent of the world though is religious in some form. In other words, eighty-five really? percent of the planet believe in one of those religions. Yes. And the number one religion out of those is Christianity. Okay. Okay, with the majority of the people in Christianity. Uh, however, when you analyze each one of the religions, you find that each of these people, their principal fundamental concept or understanding of the religion is that the God that they're worshiping is not from Earth.
3: Mm.
2: Okay. So when you then take that and you look at the dictionary, Webster's dictionary, right? Okay. All right. And you say, okay, well, what is this? What does this mean? Not from Earth. Let me type this in. Let me do a reverse lookup for the actual, the actual word that's going to be the definition because you could do that now with okay. Google and all that. And it comes up in
4: Webster's as alien. <laughs> ah, and okay, and of course they use that for people that's not from this country as right. well. So mm-hmm. right. Kind of exactly. Yeah. Right. On universal Exactly. Yeah.
3: You're not from Earth.
2: Yeah. So if we travel, if we got in a spaceship right now, we're in the ship now. Mm-hmm. But if I took off right now and took you somewhere, right? What's going to happen? We're going to land on another planet. If we if we meet people, to to them we're going to be aliens.
4: So when do we become extraterrestrial? Because that's like a different term.
2: It actually has the same definition. Okay, extraterrestrial right. meaning extra, meaning from outside the terrestrial of the planet. Okay, all right. So it, so we're we're coming from outside. A terrestrial is from the planet, and extraterrestrial
3: means from outside. That's the planet All right. So it's another way of saying saying alien. Okay. All right. Gotcha. And so we're you know, and what the interesting thing is.
2: They can't argue this fact that their God, even Jesus says, "I'm not of this world." According Mm -hmm. to the biblical text, okay. So if you're not of this world, then you're technically an alien. And so what I found early on, this is what I figured this out when I was younger, (laughs) is that most people are (laughs) worshiping aliens. That's the actual term. They don't know it, and they don't even know it. (laughs) So they're worshiping aliens, and they don't even know it. And so it just became interesting, interesting to me. And I started looking and digging even deeper into the religious texts okay. to see if there was something more to this. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, And the more I dug, the deeper I went and the more I realized that they were putting together terminologies and words based on the era they lived in mm. that were describing the same things that people were describing now and in, in close encounters of the second, third and fourth kind.
4: Gotcha. Well, I think it's kind of, you know, when you look at the basics of it, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I try to, and for me, uh, it all started with the book of Genesis. Mm. Right? Um, and, of course, we all, you know, take our children or we go to school and we mm. learn words, right? And yeah. so when I start thinking about the definition of the word are, right, mm. and I'm like, okay, that's cool. If I came in and said, hey, our team is going to do this or, yeah. or we're going to do this for ourselves, you right. know, and we, this is a collective, the group. Yeah. Uh, and so when Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, let's make man in our image and a likeness of ourselves, mm. I'm like,
3: what
4: the heck? <laughs> and, and I remember asking my mother, yeah. you know, and she's like, oh, that's the Trinity. Mm. Oh, you know, you know the yeah. art thing, right? Right. And so it always baffled me since mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Um. And and it's right there, mm-hmm. you know. And when you ask people to read it, some people who are Bible scholars mm-hmm. that you know go to church every Sunday, dumpers yeah. whatever, and no point intended, right? Yeah. When they still get to that, it's like they've been taught all these things, but certain scriptures have been skipped over. Oh, they skip over that. And it's like it's not there, yeah. You know, and along with the Ezekiel, all the different stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why Why yeah. would a pastor that's responsible for the flock mm-hmm. literally don't um, teach them properly? Right, mm-hmm. and and that's one of the reasons I kind of backed up from the church because yeah. you think on a Sunday if they say, "Well, stand up, everybody mm-hmm. stand," mm-hmm. turn the page, such and such, yeah. you turn it, and I'm like, I can read that too, <laughs> you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started doing the math. I was yeah. like, well, okay, it's uh, you know, two or more people like us makes a congregation just right. the two of us mm-hmm. and i'm like it was four in my house so that mm-hmm. means i can pay tithes to my house mm-hmm. and god can be here right. and i got a congregation i can yeah. pastor my house and i can turn the page and read it myself exactly and 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 but i don't get it i don't know why we fall into that
2: right. and, and what you said is so key yeah the fact that the bible says where two or more are gathered in my name mm-hmm. there i am in the midst of you Okay. See, I know all the Bible at right. the back of my hand. I know right. I know that okay. I, I have the Bible memorized. Gotcha. And gotcha. So, I read, I've been reading that Bible since I was one years old. My dad used to take me to bars in Queens, New York when I was mm. a little kid, three or right. four years old, and put me on the countertop and had me reciting the Lord's Prayer, the 23rd Psalm, and all the proverbs and everything. Gotcha. Because my memory was so crisp. I could just remember stuff, you know. So um, and so I know that Bible at the back of my hand. And so, but you're right. The fact that and the crazy thing is, man, we're like brothers,
3: man.
4: I came up
2: with that same hypothesis when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I realized when I read that, so if me and my brother or me and my mom or my mom yeah. and dad, if we're all in the house together and we're trying yeah. to basically summon or to have a direct connection with the creator,
4: right? Yeah. Then. It, it will appear. It should appear. And he and if he could be over there on Sunday, right. why in the heck he can't be at my house on too? He's and he's everywhere. supposed to be omnipotent
2: yeah. and omniscient. Yes. Yeah. Two yeah. things. Two things. Yeah. So, so. if that's the case, then we don't need to go there. You don't need to go there. And I don't need to give them the money. I like what you said, but you put a twist because you added some financial literacy. The fact that instead of tithing to them, yep, and giving to the money to the pastor so he can buy a brand new Lincoln. Yeah. Or then it went from Lincoln to Cadillac, then from Cadillac to Mercedes. Is the thing now? Then now Hernandez into all kind of exotics, right? <laughs> they, they, they there, right? Right. But regardless, the fact that if you take that money, if every one of the people in uh, in these communities took that all that money that they gave and put yeah. it back into their own household with
4: through the knowledge of financial literacy, reinvested they use, it. They can use that. And there's money that you can set yeah. aside anyway. You're already giving it out. Yeah. In uh, a true story, I, my brother and his wife, uh, they live buy look, the tide, mm. you know, you tied your things are going to yeah. happen to you. Mm-hmm. True story. They actually got into financial trouble when mm-hmm. one of them lost a job. Mm-hmm. Looked on their books mm-hmm. over that two and a half year span, yeah. gave the church over twenty three thousand dollars, wow. and could not get three hundred for the electric bill when they needed it. Mm, that's a fact.
2: I've that known several down. people with that problem. Yeah. Uh, One person contacted me, was begging, begging, begging. And I was like, I asked a question. I said, well, you know, because they were trying to get me to go to this church. This is a, okay. this is a while back, about yeah. 10 years ago. And I said, well, how much money have you given over the years? I've given tens of thousands of dollars. I said, you can't even go to the church and ask them for a few hundred
4: missing dollars. There you go. They won't do it. And it was
2: somebody else who wanted me to invest in one of their businesses. Mm. And And, you know, the concept for me, it was it was too based on religion, so it was dogma. But however, you can open up a business. This is America. That's it. But I said, why don't you go back to the church? Because you've been given your ten percent and plus more, and don't and volunteering and everything else yeah. for decades. Why don't you get the church to give you 10000 dollars? You know, they won't do it.
4: Man, I mean, and also, I grew up uh, in Grand Tract, a lot smaller than that. Yeah, and and. Uh, My coach was like a father figure. And I remember a conversation, as though it was sitting here today, Mm. he had all of us sitting around. It was Mm -hmm. about 20 of us. Yeah. And he gave us, he said, I'm going to give y'all some advice Mm. if you ever get in a bind. He said, if all fails, Mm -hmm. go into ministry. Mm -hmm. You can get a job and you can make money. (laughs) You can make money. (laughs) That's what he told us. Sure as daylight. I'm saying, he stood there and he said, I want all of y'all to know if all fails in your life, yeah. Go into ministry, you will get. That's the worship gene that was inserted into mankind, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, thanks for the donation. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna or their God claims that Manu is the father of men. Did we find Thoth again? I don't know. It's interesting that you know Thoth is many people. I believe that Thoth is... Uh, has been given many names over many eons in many different genre. I mean, many different um, eons and and uh, and generations and different. Uh, uh, I would, I guess, you would say civilizations that have risen and fallen on this planet. And so, if you look at Africa, you have Thoth. T-H-O-T-H some people say Toth, depending on how you want to pronounce it. But also, he ruled over the land of Kem before it was Egypt. Now, here it is for sixteen thousand years. Whoa! Now, this is not according to Billy Carson. This is not according to folk. This is according to the ancient Egyptians. Wow. fifteen S- sixteen sixteen thousand, 16,000, right? That's a long time. Think about that for a minute. We're talking about super long lifespans. That yeah. would give anyone the perception that this being was uh, immortal. Has to. Right? Yeah. Gotcha. So they thought he was immortal. Um, and, and it just really amazes me that we can't see that these ancestors, the culture was so intelligent. I mean... They left behind megalithic structures that we can't duplicate. Right. But when they say that a guy worked with them for sixteen thousand years, we don't. Oh, that can't be real. That can't be real. Yeah, they, they can't be real. Been but we can't. But well, we can't build a pyramid.
3: <laughs>
4: we don't have no technology today.
2: To right. Do that. Exactly. And when you go to Egypt and you see the surrounding area where the people live, which is right on the outskirts of where the pyramids are, they're all collapsing structures.
4: All of them. So why do you think? Just literally. It's if if people are saying the word is the word, mm-hmm. you know that's how they like to put it. Yeah, word is the word, but the word is there are some words in there mm-hmm. that gives them the indication that there is more to the story. Yeah, why don't many
2: people get curious? The thing about it is, is the programming is so strong. Okay, the programming code from the time of the age of one to the age of seven, it generates who you're going to be when you grow up. Mm-hmm. And the programming code that you get from the time you come out of that womb, all the way from one o'clock, one, one years old, like one, one o'clock, one o'clock, one, one years old. One years old. We'll go with that. <laughs> I'm going with my alien time frame. <laughs>
3: we'll go
2: now, one that. year old, that's when it really kicks in. Like mm. the mind turns into a complete sponge. One to seven, all of a sudden, between mm. one and seven, all the coding is coming in from your parents, your grandparents, your relatives, your friends, mm. the TV programming, the schooling that you may be getting, Right. All this is coming in and it's creating who you're going to be. It's creating your actual personality that you're going to have when you become an actual adult.
4: But we got human natural curiosity, right? As kids, well, I I would assume most of the kids would be, you know, and then it's beat out of them. You know, don't ask. That's the problem. This is what the word says. The word is the
2: word. And yeah, as soon as you question, see, I was fortunate. My mom didn't mind me questioning things, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people, as soon as they question, they get told. Don't you dare question the Lord. Oh, some people like that. Don't, don't, you know, don't listen smack, right? Especially talking about religion and church. Oh, man, listen. Uh, You get yelled at, you get put on punishment, you know, and so you're, now you're being conditioned. Oh, I I can't question this. I can't question this. Now your curiosity is being stolen from you. Right. And then you just become another soulless avatar
4: walking through the matrix. But you have, you've seen photographs of videos of well-known pastors going back to Egypt. Mm -hmm. They're going back. They have to have discovered what you discovered. Oh, yeah, they got it all. You know know. what I'm saying? They have to have known or know why don't they come forward. And the fact of they know they're doing the big lie. And you're going to go to heaven for that? Well, heaven they think, you know?
2: There's this one pastor that I know that lives in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've known him since, uh, wow, 2007, I believe. He has become an expert on the Anunnaki now. An expert on the Anunnaki still. OK, he knows all about it now. I mean, you know, he, he knows that all the ins and outs, the ups and the downs, but he's still a pastor. Yeah. And so I come to this conclusion after having many talks with him and understanding that this guy is still going to stay in that pulpit. he has developed his entire, um, you know, finances, uh, his kids, college tuitions, mm-hmm. his wife, his mortgage, his car payments based on the system. Everything okay. is based on that system. And so if he now jumps up with all the new knowledge and understanding the real information, which he has disclosed to me, he now loses all that money. He has to go find a real job. Mm. He has to go find another way to capitalize or to monetize himself. And it's too hard for him to conceive a way to do that to achieve the level that he's at right now. So his only option is to stay in that pulpit and keep pitching the bullcrap.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, there you go. Uh, That green crap. Yeah. Stuck on it. But. I you know I think really as as we you know being a UFO investigator you know one of the main questions I still get people will ask mm-hmm. are UFOs real or is the aliens out there and I'm talking everyday people mm-hmm. right and you will think you know they ask me this question Billy and and they'll go well what do the aliens look like and yeah. what and I try to set it up nicely yeah so you sure <laughs> you want what I'm about to say to you. Yeah. Well, what do they look like? And I said, well, I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. And I hit them hard. I go, boom. And it's like, what if we look like them? Mm, Boom. And they'd be like, what? I said, what if we look like them? Right. Now, that go go explore now, and Mm -hmm. you'll find out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly it.
2: What if we look like them? You see, what people don't realize is we are the aliens. There you go. Yeah. And before I go into talking, and we're going to go into some Bible verses here shortly, but I'm glad you brought that up. I did a big lecture um, a few years ago where I talked about this brand new discovery in astrophysics. Mm. Okay. Being taught at all universities that teach astrophysics around the world. Mm. They discovered something very interesting. They discovered that where we are in our solar system, in a Milky Way galaxy, we aren't originally from here. Mm. They know this. They know this. Mm -hmm. Our entire solar system is connected to another galaxy called the Sagittarius Dwarf Galaxy. Okay. Not the Sagittarius Constellation. Okay. The Sagittarius Dwarf Galaxy. We've discovered now that the Sagittarius Dwarf Galaxy is being gobbled up by the Milky Way Galaxy. Mm -hmm. And the pinpoint of where the insertion or the merger is happening is right where we're located. Right here. Right here. And that our solar system is actually from Sagittarius and that that means that we are all aliens to the Milky Way galaxy. We don't even belong in the Milky Way galaxy.
4: So what implication if it's sucking things up, what's the possibility of Earth being pulled in? Well, we're here now. So what happens is we've
2: been absorbed and pulled in. This is why in early on stages there were a lot of collisions. A lot of the collisions with planets and moonlets and other objects, okay. they call them rogue planets and rogue, stu- rogue suns and brown dwarfs and red dwarfs that are just rogue floating throughout that have no particular set orbit that are just mm-hmm. flying through. And they found now that there's millions of them. Millions. And this is because of this merger between Sagittarius and the Milky Way. And what's interesting is this right here is the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation This is originally was Sumerian cuneiform that was translated way back in the 1800s. But in the Enuma Elish, it tells you exactly what astrophysicists are now teaching in college. Gotcha. That this happened. It's all in the Enuma Elish, all of it. This text is over 8,000 years old, and that's been copied from other older ancient tablets as it's been copied and keep them fresh and safe. Now you can see a copy of this at the British Museum in, in, in England, which I went to and saw it in person. Wow. And so we know now that this text, this ancient text, has been talking about the fact that we ourselves in this galaxy are not from here.
4: And so that someone brought us here?
2: No, it's a gravitational merger. So as Sagittarius is floating, Sagittarius is another galaxy spinning and floating through, and Milky Way is spinning and floating through, and they just, the Milky Way is so massive, it's sucked in. They just drew it in, and it collapsed. You know, collided and then it's been absorbing all the planets and suns in there and making them now recirculate through our galaxy. Okay, so we've been just basically grown, you know, by by, I don't know, one fourth percent. We've uh, we've absorbed. uh, We still are absorbing it. Okay, as a matter of fact, check this out. They discovered that when you look up at the sky at night with no light pollution and you see that swath of stars going across the sky, right, right. people have been saying, oh, that's the Milky Way. Guess what? Everybody's been wrong all this time. <laughs> really?
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be like, that's the Big Dipper or that's no, the Little Dipper. No, not that. Just with that, the big, Milky that Way. big
2: band, that big, right. thick band that goes across. Okay. So the constellations are really there, but that big, thick band, it looks like trillions of stars going across and you're like in the sky with no, no mm-hmm. light pollution. Mm-hmm. That is actually the Sagittarius, where it's being warped and pulled into oh, okay. the Milky Way. And this is being taught in all astrophysics classes, okay, throughout the entire world at universities. Peer-reviewed science, well-documented science, thanks to the web
4: and the, and the, uh, and the, and the Hubble uh, telescope. So why is it, I think we spoke a little bit about this today. Uh, I've been doing some research and reading, and they start talking about the difference between a religious community in a scientific Mm -hmm. and one in particular is how they were saying that the scientific community believes don't or believes in creation, but don't believe in the creator Mm -hmm. more of, I think more could be the God particle that we talk about, whatever, but the religious community believes in the creator, Mm -hmm. but not the creation, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, but no one is venturing to the source of the soul. Right. But they all are looking this way. So why, why is this happening?
2: It's happening because we get focused on one perspective or another. Okay. It's the same divide and conquer tactic that has been going on for eons. We also implement that in our educational system, whether it's religious education or spiritual education or scientific education. The reason why I love spirituality is because it takes a look at both. Mm. It takes a look and says, you know what? There is only one divine spirit. There's only one consciousness. And the quantum physics explains how it works. Mm, When you look at the quantum mechanics and quantum physics, you begin to see what's happening behind the veil. You begin to realize, oh, wow, this is pretty interesting. What we can see here is that the spirituality that is being explained by quantum physics and quantum mechanics, and it also is explaining our, our, our state of reality that we're experiencing in this third dimension, in this corporeal body. So we can convert... Uh, On the spiritual side, we look at quantum physics, and on the physical side, we look at classical uh, physics. And when you look at both of them, it explains the micro and also the macro, but it also explains the spiritual at the same time. People don't have the time to dig into that, to research that, to study and learn it. That's why I do a lot of workshops and classes on that exact topic to teach people that you're spiritual. And let me show you the science
4: behind the spirituality. Let me show you how it works. They love it. Now we know more wars have been fought over religion. Yeah. What about on a ground level? There may be people in this audience that are now moving toward the curiosity of what we're talking.
3: About. Yeah.
4: And they may be married. They have a significant other, their partner, their partner, or whoever. How is this gap? Right? Or now we're we going to use the term we're not equally yoked anymore? But yet they're both. Is using the same book for truth,
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
4: but it's not the same as they interpret it, mm-hmm. and therefore there's a battle in the house. Yeah, because I had that. Yeah, you know, right. Uh, what do you say to people like that, or to be dealing with it. Yeah, right? we're well, in a pretty tough situation. <laughs> you know, we're talking about religion. Yeah. I mean, you you talking about you know, hey, the word is this, and they're going to fight to the end they're gonna for fight to the death. religion. Yes. So,
2: what is it? How do we in some and I'm gonna be straight up honest, in some cases there's no way to resolve it. Okay. Yeah. You can uh ask the significant other if they would be willing to allow you to follow your new found belief and your new found research okay. on the topic and that you see things differently and explain why you see
3: things differently. But if you're in a relationship with open conversation about religion is gonna be banished or or treated harshly it can become a very tumultuous situation okay and so
2: i was in a situation like that myself all right and then i'm not in that situation anymore
4: (laughs) well we know that we we know that you see them
2: smiling listen yeah sometimes you just gotta you know when your mind elevates and the other person stays here sometimes the gap can get so far Mm -hmm that is irreconcilable. It just happens. There's nothing you can do about it in some cases. Now, in some cases you can work with that person and some people will eventually come along little by little yeah. if you give them space. If you keep cramming it down their throat and telling them, no, this is the way it really is, you're gonna hurt them, you're mm. gonna break down their belief system too fast and they're gonna be pissed off and it's gonna be anger and frustration and arguments yeah. in the house. But if you give them a little, drop some seeds and let it grow, water it tiny, little by little and let it grow like from a tiny seed to a full-blown tree, you got a chance. Yeah. You see, so, but that person has to be one of those people that is a, is allowing themselves to be willing to take in the information a little bit at a time and grow with it. Mm-hmm. And you can close the gap some. You might not ever yeah. get the gap
3: here, but you can close it some and make it livable. But it's... In some cases, you just can't. You gotta really have someone who at some point for all their life
4: they believed something to be true mm-hmm. is in a better mental state to find out what was true is not true. Yeah. And the same thing with somebody all their life believing was not true yeah. finds out that something is true and they yeah. can handle it. Right. So yeah. um another question, you know, we talked about over both of us did podcasts on these fake UFOs mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. But I was getting phone calls mm-hmm. from people that was mentally messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, what is happening? People yeah. that, full-grown men. Wow. Okay? That was normally, we didn't even talk about the subject, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden yeah. decided to make these phone calls. You were a UFO. And and I didn't want to laugh at it. Right. But, right. I, but I did confirm it. Anything we have in our skies, we don't know what it is. It is yep. a UFO. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a UFO, but not alien technology. Right. Right. right, right. Was it a test front? Because obviously, mm-hmm. people are not going to handle one of them parked in front of the White House. Right, right. So what was happening, or what could the potential be now that they tested this
3: mm-hmm.
2: thing? I think it's to generate money. So if you look at uh, where we are as a civilization on this planet, we have one dominant nation, which is the United States. Mm. We dominate the world. And why do we dominate the world? We dominate the world because we have control of space itself. Okay, gotcha. The United States has more access and more control over the space on the outside of the planet, above the upper atmosphere, right in the stratosphere, above the stratosphere. And so because of that, we have satellites that we control and we can maneuver and manipulate, mm-hmm. and we can create um, you know, zones where nobody else could put satellites and put technology. Okay, And we also have the capability of spying pretty much on anybody anywhere on the planet because we dominate space. And also, a lot of our weapons are guided by satellite. Mm. So we can reach out and touch anybody anywhere at any given time.
4: I tell people all the time, there's not a military on the planet Mm -hmm. that's more powerful than what we have. Exactly. And they fear all of them. Right. Yeah. And now, so
2: we've gone to pretty much every country Mm. in the world, and we've uh, installed puppet dictators, and we brought democracy. Mm-hmm. Right? You look at Beirut. You look at uh, you know Argentina. You look at uh, Iraq, Iran, and Afghanistan. America just keep going. the list and list. The list goes on and on. Everything can turn to dust. In some cases, economies that weren't places that weren't turned to dust, the economies will crashed and turned over to our rule. And so we bring democracy to the planet and. Uh, those wars generate a lot of revenue, but guess what? There's nobody else to dominate now. We've dominated everybody. Yeah. So here's the new money. The new money, and see, we kept—they kept getting in trouble for all these trillions of dollars that've been disappearing. Yeah. Where are these trillions? Of, remember, Oliver North had to answer questions in the Senate floor. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so he said, "You know what? If we now go to a space, we now have a place to send the money. Yeah. So we can say, look." There's potential threats. We don't know what these things are. They're a threat to national, maybe even global security. Yeah. You know, and uh, because of that, we need to now transfer these. Now we're going to tell you where the trillions are going. We're putting them into space weapons. We're putting them into space machinery, space technology. And so now they can easily redirect money towards that without having to hide it, cover it up, act like they don't know where the money went, which is what they've been doing for decades. Now they have a place. So they have to keep the money machine going in some way. Yeah. And the next new money machine is not going to be blowing up another country. We pretty much did all that already. So now it's got to be, okay, we're taking it to space because we got to create this space race. We have to create this space uh, technology. They have a rods from God. They have all this technology in space now. Crazy tech. And so that's how they can redirect because it keeps them paid.
4: There was an article, and you guys can fact check this. Someone do it and let us know in the chat. Look up Morgan Stanley uh, told all of their uh, financial people to move into the space economy. They gave 10 things for the future to put your money in. This was about last year, but you can Google it. And if somebody do post an article for somebody to have, it. but Morgan Stanley told all of their financial, you know, whatever. we mm-hmm. Yeah. But said, here's the 10 things. One was space tourism. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was satellites and everything else. Mm-hmm. Space mining—it mm-hmm. uh, was just so many. But they said this is where tomorrow's money. That's where, this it's where your investments work. need to go yeah. into the new space economy. Which is
2: why I opened up yeah. First Class Space Agency five years ago. What? That's my tech company. Yeah, look it up. Anybody can go. Oh, Google sugar, it. honey, iced tea. <laughs> All right. First Class Space Agency, owned by Billy Carson. Many articles, news. I've been in many. Uh, I've been in London Times. I've been in uh, New York Times. I've been in a lot of a lot of big articles yes. about it. It's a tech company. We do research and development for space technologies. We don't actually launch rockets, but you have to have companies that provide ancillary benefits or products and services to yeah. space agencies. Like Elon Musk isn't sitting there making radiation-hardened computer circuit boards. <laughs>
3: no. he buys buy that all.
2: stuff from us or somebody else, you see? Yeah. So that's why I started my tech company, Space Tech. I invented a battery. It's a revolutionary battery. And so all these different types of things, you know, we have to have... Uh, yeah, if you have to look towards that, that's the next big thing. And so with Morgan Stanley, they've been they right on point with that. Yeah, this was about a
4: year ago when it yeah. did this. So I know we took a detour.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: So for well, the scriptures in the Bible, yeah. What would be if someone out here needed to go to war mm-hmm.
3: and to prove the point yeah. that there is UFOs or some remnants of story in the Bible? Yeah. would be the best scripture or the the top scripture you think would be the one